Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 414 Deli. It's your boy Cisco, as always, with your boy Ryan. Yo, if I just stop talking during this podcast, uh, text Jen because I might have passed out. It's so goddamn hot out down here. Bro, we have the like, poorest air quality in the world right now. Yeah, it's so bad, I know, but <laughs> if I pass out, it's from the heat. Oh man, you're dedicated, bro. You you out there? Uh, you out there in the heat? He does this from outside. I'm in. Yeah, it's inside. hot. I'm not, I'm smart. I also don't have two, three kids. <laughs> yeah. And with the first pick, <laughs> in the first pick is uh, the life draft. You, I got you, a. You I got a man. I got a man cave. You're on the you're on the porch, uh, on a porch, on a swing and shit. Just I don't even I get a swing. I won't say legs dangling because you a tall motherfucker, but I don't even get a swing. Just on the porch. I got two chairs with the one, seltzer. With the seltzer. With the seltzer water. I need. I got two of them today. <laughs> with extra ice, bro. I got it's... a I got a Stanley Cup, bro. Not the hockey one. Man, I was just giving Jen. <laughs> we're not talking about nothing right now, but I was just giving Jen shit because she has a Stanley Cup, and every single nurse, bro, that we've seen in the last. Oh yeah, everybody's got it. It's everybody's like, got one. I got a boomate. I I ain't down with Stanley, bro. I have one of those too, but I. Well, I look at me. Stanley I'm cool because Alina got two for Christmas, and so I use one. And I mean, they're nice. They they do stay. They stay cold. I only use it for water. Anyway, so today uh, we had a big day last week. We talked about it pre-draft, uh, but now we're going to talk about the NBA post-draft and kind of go over a little bit, you know, some of those wild trades. It wasn't as wild, I think, as we thought it was going to be. It was still a little wild, but not as wild. Well, um, I, yeah, I think some of the some of the fireworks happened beforehand, but, I mean, that's still – it still impacted. It didn't impact the draft as much. I think maybe as, would that be fair to say, right? Like it wasn't big that way. Like yeah, I thought more picks would move for like in uh, the front for current players, like yeah. a Zion or a Dame or whatever you know, whoever. But like the Lakers really didn't make any moves like we thought. Miami didn't make a move like we thought could could happen. Um, so I think it was less climactic as we anticipated. Would that be fair? Yeah. Um, but it yeah, was like still. Top, there was no like top 10. I mean, there was a swap in the top 10, but. There was I mean, a swap and then one. Or I guess two and then swaps. An, yeah, I was going to say. Seven one, and eight and then 10 and 12. But Yep. So two swaps in the, in the, uh, in the lottery. And then, you know, my biggest, uh maybe gripe of the draft, uh, the, the, another trade, but we'll, we'll get into that, you know, here in a little bit, but yeah, it just wasn't as, uh, I don't think there was any crazy moves, uh, personally. Yeah. No, um, yeah. Like, in, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, Dame going for, well, I guess he, they had the third pick, but like, or, you know what I mean? Say, um, uh, Bam had a bio, right. There was talk that Portland was interested in him. So like, oh, Bam Adebayo's getting traded to the Blazers, and they're giving up that third pick. You know what I mean? Something impactful yeah. like that. There really wasn't. I mean, there was some. There was names moved for sure, right? But in terms of like impact in that top in the lottery, the draft, there really wasn't. 
there wasn't that kind of movement, but you know, there were, I mean, there were some deals. I mean, you want to, I, I got, uh, to, I mean, I yeah, got let's get into the trades. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I got the details of, uh, some, some of the important, I'm not going to go over every trade. I didn't, you know, those, this pick for that pick or this pick for next pick, but, um, first trade, uh, I'll go through, you had a four, uh, three team deal, uh, Boston, Washington, and, um, Memphis, Memphis, uh, Memphis getting Marcus Smart. Uh, Boston getting Kristaps Porzingis. Um, they got a first-round pick, the number 25 pick, which turned into Marcus Sasser, who's a guard, I believe, but they traded him to Detroit, so I guess uh, they flipped that. And then the 20, a 2024 first-round pick for Boston, and then Washington got real quick. Um, what what did what did the Pist- or what did the Grizzlies get out of that? Just Marcus Smart. No, so oh, so the 25th pick was traded as part of the trade. Uh, yeah, or did they? Tr- okay, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. I, I when you said that they, they then traded him, I thought it was like another trade draft no, night. No, 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 no. Boston, so they traded the 25th pick to Boston, and then Boston flipped that pick to Detroit. Makes sense. Okay. Okay, and then Washington got Tyus Jones, um, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, the number 35 pick, which was uh, Julian Phillips they traded to Chicago so I feel like uh, I mean obviously the biggest the two biggest parts of this deal is Porzingis going to Boston and Marcus Smart going to Memphis um, they, I mean obvious move for Washington right freeing up cap room getting rid of Porzingis um, probably going to flip Gallinari and Muscala to a, a, a contending team maybe not right away probably around the trade deadline, I would assume, right? Maybe stockpile some future second round picks or some bullshit like that. Um, but Tyus Jones not a bad, not a bad player. He's a, he's a good. Guard. You know, I heard Tyus Jones in the mix for Milwaukee at some point. Like somebody saying, should we make a move with Tyus? And I, I was all for it. Um, he's a good player. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, obviously, this is a. a kind of a cap shed for them right and trying to get draft capital but you know he's a quality player so even if you use him to flip for something else in the future or if if you say hey in two years this guy will be you know he'll be the guy and then we can help he can be one of the pieces we build around i don't know i mean i'm not saying he's a superstar but he's definitely a quality player yeah he is he's a good off the bench guy like we need well, to replace. Let's be honest. He might get he might get a chance to start now. I mean, you go into a Washington team who, I mean, is full of kind of scrubs, right? Because you, before we get into the next trade, I mean, they also traded Beal. That's the that's the next trade we'll talk about. But yeah, I mean, he's gonna get clocked now. But I was saying for a contender, he's a solid role guy. You oh know? yeah, if you like, want to flip him all he's gonna camp. do is. All he's going to do now is go prove that he can play in the league. He's not going to go to Washington to win. And we kind of talked about this earlier uh, off uh, off podcast, but we're not going to get in too much about like non-contenders. But Washington had a plan, and it was to shed cap. Yeah. Um, shed cap. Pile, and, and pile, pile picks. Yeah. Shed cap and see what happens here going forward. Yeah. And, and 
I mean, and so now you get into this next trade. Uh, or actually, hold on. Before we do that, um, you had you had expressed to me uh, in in the chat that we have that you thought that this was a bad move for Boston. And I did. Uh, and so during during yeah. the during the draft and like the day before, the day of, and the day after, I I chose to watch ESPN while I was working, which I haven't done in a while. Um, but you you weren't the only person that had those those thoughts. I mean, I feel like the consensus uh, amongst the analysts and the people that I that I heard, you know what I mean, talk about this, is that this was a not the smartest move for Boston. No pun intended. Yeah, you know, because you're getting because for them the biggest thing was you're getting rid of the leader on that team, like the well, local leader, locker room leader, leader on the court. You know, when things are getting other know, than hand. other than Giannis, who is the most important player for the Milwaukee Bucks 2020? 2020 playoffs, 2020 playoffs, and we could even see 2020 finals. I, I think the most important other than Giannis. Uh, I'm sorry, was 2020 the year we won or 2021? 2021. Sorry, 2021. You're going to say P.J. Tucker? Yes, because he's the he was the heart and soul of that team. He was the grit. He was the, he was the guy. Yeah. We talked about it afterwards. We weren't happy that he left, and we thought Jay, Jay Crowder would come in and fill that role. Yeah, he just didn't really get the chance to, but. But Marcus Smart's the same way. But Marcus Smart's the primary ball handler. Marcus Smart's the primary. I was say defender. he's a much better player. Yeah, he, he is. Player. But he's also their primary ball handler. He's their primary defender. He's their primary good guy. Like now, you're asking Malcolm Brogdon, who is oft injured, great player, but he's a bench guy. He is a bench guy. He plays better off the bench. Yeah. And here's what you lost. You lost defense. Can Porzingis put up some numbers? Sure. But he doesn't play defense. Does he get two or three blocks a game or whatever is the average for a center? He does. But he's also seven foot three. Like, those aren't blocks that are like – he's not making good defensive plays. Like, Yeah. You know, it's like, funny, though, because I had one analyst break down, and they say that he actually is a good defender. But it's not the same. He's not – Mark, he, he's not guarding the perimeter. He's not guarding arguably maybe the best player, right? You would say Marcus Smart is probably guarding one of the best players on the team. Yeah, but now it's you're going to – different impact. It's different you know what's going to change now? Jalen Brown's role is going to change. He's going to have to become their primary defender. And now you're asking one of your primary scorers to change it around, and he's going to have to change his game to really probably defend the best – guard on the other team now every night and I think I think this is a bad move for Boston first off I'm not a Marcus Smart fan not because he's not a good player not because I don't like his attitude I just I just never been a fan of him but I knew his role on Boston was as important as anybody on that team with the exception of uh, Jason Tatum yeah so and I think it's a good move for for Memphis you bring a guy in that that uh, to a team that fucking needs it, right? Who, I mean, the way that, again, I'm not a Marcus Smart fan either. I the flopping and all the antics and shit. But, <coughs> so uh, I'm not a huge fan of the move for Memphis either. If I'm being honest. Oh, see, see I think it, I think it makes sense because, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you're gonna miss Ja for the 25 games, but 
Um, I don't know, you know what I mean, does he stay away from the team for those 25 games? I don't know those details. But, I think he has to. Uh, I mean, you bring in a guy like Marcus Smart and the way he the, – the, his leadership um, and, you know, mm-hmm. just, just the way that he can pull these guys together, you know, I think that that's going to be beneficial for your young team, especially I, with your star player, John Morant. So I wasn't thinking about that. You're 100% on the money. I don't know how it works on the court. All they do is replace Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart. And I don't think the way they play their guards wins in the NBA long term. Yeah. I, um, uh, there, was a, there was a comparison to, uh, which is funny because it's an identical path for both careers, but Tony Allen was the comparison um, that they for Marcus made. Marcus Smart? Yeah, when Tony Allen left Boston to go to Memphis and how he kind of thrived in that role and the impact that he had on that team. So I could definitely see it. And if that's how, I mean, again, we talk about the draft, we talk about trades, this this shit is all a gamble, you know? So I could see, yeah, it's a gamble. You gave up, you know, Tyus Jones, you gave up uh, a pick and you know what I mean? You, you get Marcus smart. Um, But if it works that way and he's able to gel this team together and maybe get John Morant to, to, to look at the game differently and look at his life differently and I know that's a big what if, but if he can do that, that makes, I mean, then you become the winner of this trade. In a 100%. Sense because you've saved your franchise to a degree uh, and and kind of roping your star player back down the reality and, and getting him back on the court. Because John Rand's amazing on the court. He's never, it, these things did not impact his play. It impacted his availability. And now, you know, you question uh, his the, leadership and his character. Right? The development of John Morant is the most important thing for the Memphis Grizzlies, and this is exactly. going to this is going to help it. That is a hundred. You're a hundred percent accurate. There is no doubt about it. I just don't know how it works on the court. Yeah, I don't know if this is a winning roster. Yeah, you won't see it for twenty five games, but I, yeah, know, and, it, and who knows? It, it might work. I don't. I don't know. Maybe now John Morant doesn't have to expend all the energy he does on defense. Yeah. I think I just think that the I think that the underlying tone of this trade was more get someone on, here to mentor more, this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, I agree. Yeah, done, people might say that's stupid. You gave up for that, and it's like, well, when you got that a would, player like John Morant, I was just gonna say um, that. You know what I mean? You you do this if if Giannis was in the same position and the Bucks didn't make some kind of move like this, uh, I we would question them, right? Like, hey, man. We got to get our star down because as much as you want to say, well, fuck John Morant if he wants to act like this, like shit, you want, <laughs> you know what I mean? You want your this guy to work. You want it to work because you know he's got the talent. He's so, a generational talent. Like, let's be yeah. honest. The dude can play. It's just he's uh, he, he's just his, making some his some priorities are in the wrong. Right now. Yeah. And that's where you're at. And, and you're right. Like any sport, if it's our team, we're pro this trade because you're getting a top five potential player possibly back on track. Yeah. And you didn't give up much. Like, let's be honest. The Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies didn't give up a ton. No, no. The Tyus Jones was probably the biggest thing because he, you know, he has the potential to be something, you know, so, so beneficial to a, a contending team. But I'm, I think the thing that I'm more cu- curious about is how Porzingis is going to work out in Boston. I mean, I think it's going to be terrible. 
And whose role does he take? Like Al Horford. Horford's. Role? That's the thing. Like I said. But then you have Robert and I know Williams you. Williams too. So like. How I know he... you hated it, but I said go get Horford because I know you Horford don't like him wants. as a player. Yeah, yeah because now well, Horford he's doesn't. A killer. Yeah. <laughs> but Horford doesn't have a role on that team anymore. No, I don't think so. What are you gonna play? Two stretch fives at the same time? Yeah, I don't, no. I don't think I don't think he's there anymore. I don't think Grant Williams fits anymore. I think Brady well, was definite. I think that's definitely out. I think. Grant but Grant Williams, I I'll take Grant Williams. Yeah, I hate like, that fucker too. But I hate him too. But when you he hate comes him to the, for you, we hate him for the like, shit he does to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't hate him as a player. I don't hate him as a person. I don't. I ain't got a problem with the dude, but he kills us. So get yeah. his ass off that Boston team because I don't see Porzingis having the effect of multiple guys, and that's what they're going to end up losing. Yeah, you're giving yeah. up. You're taking a, a a position. In my opinion, a position of strength. Their post play was not a position of weakness. No. Grant Williams. Robert Williams and Al Horford played really well. You Yeah, and then but then you think too, like, well, who like who who they don't have I don't think they have anybody on their bench that is like, oh, this guy could take Marcus Smart role. You know what I mean? Unless they drafted somebody that's got some big potential. I, I mean I don't know who they drafted, to be honest with you, but um yeah, you wonder, right? You wonder, my point like, in saying that is, if I had to, their forwards and their centers were not the reason they didn't win. Yeah, like, but now you took a position, in my opinion, for Boston, a position of weakness, and you made it weaker by giving up Marcus Smart and and promoting Brogdon to the starting lineup. Who, I guess, honestly, yeah, I guess that's probably what what they're looking at, right? But they he can't stay healthy, and he's not a starting point guard. Like he, well, he doesn't he play as Jordan Walsh. He's, I don't even uh, know who that is. He's a, is that well, John? He's a, yeah, he's a rookie. He's a, is that he's John a, Walsh's son? Is he about no, to put he's a show from on? Arkansas. He looks like Charlie Villanueva. I'm pretty sure he's got alopecia. But he he had a good run in the tourney. He's a good. He's a long guy, defender, and uh, can kind of shoot the ball. So maybe that's. That's who will take that but, spot. But this is not—he's not a proven guy. So yeah, I don't want to spend the whole this. podcast talking about this Boston no. trade. But yeah. in the end, I didn't like it for Boston. I don't dislike it for the Grizzlies with what they gave up. It only has upside. And then Washington is just throwing shit at the wall. Like, let's be honest, they—they're they're just getting money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who do up and and stockpiling? Which yeah, which a, is when you're in a rebuild, reload, whatever you want to call it. Probably rebuild, reload. Some. They probably should have did the shit last year for an attempt to get Wembyanma or whatever his goddamn yeah. name is. Well, but, I mean, hey. but that's just like us saying, well, I wish the Packers would have traded Rodgers last year instead of this year. Oh, for sure. Hindsight. I mean, they but, they went all – I mean, they didn't have a bad team when you started the year last year. Porzingis, Rui Hachimura, I think John Wall at the time. Like, they didn't have a terrible roster. Yeah, right. they they traded Hachimura. Um, so it was like mid season. The yeah, mid season they were like, player. "Wow, these guys aren't playing the way we expected them to play." Yeah. So then they go into rebuild. So that this next trade then segues in for Washington. Um, that Beal trade. So you had Phoenix, Washington, and they had to throw in a third team. So you had the Pacers in there. Uh, Phoenix obviously got Bradley Beal. Uh, and two other guys that I've never heard of, uh, Isaiah Todd and Jordan Goodwin. 
Washington got Landry Shamit, uh, CP3, six second round picks, uh, 20, <laughs> so 2024, 25, 26, 27, 28, and 2030, and then four first round swaps, so 2024, 26, 28 and 2030. Can you explain that to me? Because what if Phoenix has a better record? Well, it's a, it's it's the option of Washington. So the Washington gets the better pick every time. For those four, yeah, they have. Okay. They have, yeah. So like, if for some reason the Suns have a worse record than um, Washington, they can they can swap with them if they want. But it's up to Washington. So that's kind of, it's like they own the right to swap. Um, and then they got the uh, a twenty a, a first-round pick, the seventh pick, which they picked uh, Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, he's a team, I like that kid, a actually. Uh, you know, it's funny because I was reading uh, things about him, and they were saying that, you know, he's he's kind of a, a – uh, it's a, it's got, it's going to be like a home run. It's either going to like a, a miss or a home run. Like it, he reminds me of the dude the Knicks picked, a couple Frank Nilikino or whatever. Oh yeah, like, yeah the yeah. guard. Kino or whatever. Yeah. He was a he was a home run. Like if he hit, he hit hard. If he yeah, didn't, the, he was is, for for people that don't know, he's the the teammate of Victor Wembanyama or however. I'm, I'll get it down one of these days. We'll just say Wemby. Yeah, um, and they think that that's kind of what rode, uh, like you know, that rode him up the draft board. He's like, young though; like, like he has the young, opportunity he's, to he's grow. Got, he's got, um, you know, length. He's got athleticism, and they said he really turned it on at the end in terms of defense. Um, and I always say this to any kid, you know, playing basketball: if you can play defense, you always have a job. You know what I mean? Like if you're that, if you can get it to. Uh, point where you're that good like you're always going to have a job if you can play defense so now here's my inner hater coming out the league they played in in france was kind of shit no 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 i know like i i get it like i wouldn't be surprised if vic takes a year a year and a half to really start to have an impact yeah and they'll probably slowly ease him in anyway uh but then to complete that the pacers got um the eighth pick of the 2023 draft which was uh, they used to get Jairus Walker, uh, and then they got a future second-round pick from Washington and a future first-round pick from Phoenix. So, obviously, the big thing here is Beal getting traded to Phoenix, where he's going to team up with uh, Devin Booker, um, Kevin Durant, obviously, and, and then a bunch of uh, and then a bunch of fucking uh, pine, cone, pine cones. Uh, and that's so like that's I mean, right away, right? Obviously the splash Beal. I mean he's he's a good scorer. Um, you know, I not that I don't think that I think that that team that's what they were missing. I think they're missing depth. So I don't know how this gets you there. I I mean again on paper, yeah, you know you you make the trade. I mean you're gonna have one of the best starting fives in the league, but. In terms of your depth, I don't know where that gets you. Because obviously, I mean, unless this Isaiah Todd and Jordan Goodwin, I've never even fucking heard of them. So, so I don't, you know. <laughs> they didn't have depth to begin with. They had nothing yeah. to trade with after the Durant trade. So my question to you is, did Phoenix actually get better? Like, 
Well, if they they, they got a splash score, they, if they can grab, if they can grab, if they can find a way to to, to bolster their their bench, then they win. Then this is a win for them. But I just I don't know how with all that I money. I don't know. On. I don't. Yeah, I don't know the logistics of it. I mean, do you you have to get pretty fucking lucky then and, and hope that you have um, the Miami the Miami Heat um, program going for you in terms of finding undrafted guys that they drafted a dude in the second round, a six, eight forward, but he's from Dayton. Don't know much about him. I don't know if he was a reach to Mani Kamara. Never Um, heard of him. Yeah. I never heard of him either. I don't even know if I watched them play. They're in the tourney. I watched them play, but it doesn't, doesn't ring a bell, but you know, you never know. Again, we talked about the second round in the NBA as being kind of, like a fucking wash, you know what I mean? You're, but you you see it happen, you know what I mean? And and for a contending team, that round is a not a bad round to try to bolster your bench. You know, you you don't need guys to be stars. You just need to find guys that fit roles. So, I just don't, yeah, I, don't I just don't see how they unless they flip Aiton for something. You know what I mean? Maybe they flip Aiton for some bench help, but because I don't think they necessarily need him you know he's i don't think to me he's not he's like a roy hibbert kind of guy like he's not a star well, he just doesn't fit their he doesn't fit them anymore either they're so yeah. guard heavy with durant just like they need a fucking probably a stretch five to to i don't know loosen it yeah, up if i they guess can, if they and it's funny because you know washington has you know a danilo gallinari a mike muscala if they can find a way to get those kind of guys then it's then it's not bad you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the trade, though. Uh, and, and we're going to go back a little bit, not talk about it, but just reference our last discussion. What they lost in CP3 from a leadership perspective is massive. Who's going to fill that role? Because Durant, in my opinion, is not a natural leader. Like, he's just not really a leader. No, he's um, a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. Draymond was the leader on the Warriors when they had their run with Durant. And then Durant never really had much success. CP3 was the, you know, the leader. He kind of kept Book in, in check. Does Book take over? Maybe. We don't know if he has that ability because CP3 is there. Yeah. But I don't see Bradley Beal. He, he couldn't do it in Washington. I don't see him being able to do it with two other superstars. And Durant has never really been that. So I could see that being their demise and causing issues from within. I mean, there's reports now that, you know, Aiton and Durant – fucking hate each other <laughs> like yeah that's the reason eight needs to move because durant and him have beef because eight shit on him at his own dinner <laughs> wait what you haven't heard this no so the reason Aiton's like trade thing really uh picked up was him and durant like don't like each other at all and it all stemmed from uh, right after Durant got there, he had like a family – not a family, sorry. a uh, Like a team dinner? A team players-only dinner at – Durant held it at his house. And I guess Aiton, in the middle of something, at some point, went up to his MVP finals trophy and was like, uh, is, this, is this Steph's finals MVP trophy? Or something like that. And you know Durant, he's so soft when it comes to anything like he's that. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, he said something like, oh, 
nice to see Steph let you borrow his MVP finals trophy or something like that. Cause you know, the year Durant was there, he won it, not Steph, but people say, you know, Steph yeah. potentially could have won it. And I guess since then they just have had like a real bad relationship and now they're trying to get rid of him. That's kind of funny. But, but you know what? That's, that's, that's what happens when you try to, like, I don't understand the model that, that some of these teams in the NBA try to follow. I, I think, I think there's been more failures than successes in this whole, you know, big three teaming up, like not even just big three, because every team you could argue has a big three, right? It's the big three of that team. But, you know, these, these, assemble the fucking justice league you know what i mean just fucking superheroes teaming up together like shit doesn't always work man like it, it doesn't I, and i think boston you, to me not boston um uh brooklyn i want to say new jersey brooklyn is a prime fucking example and philly there's more examples of it not working heat when the heat did it everyone's like oh that's how you have to win now and they only won two right and then it collapsed and then, you know, Boston tried to do it. Philly tried to do it. Brooklyn tried to do it. You know, the Warriors, I guess, technically, but I wouldn't call Clay a superstar. I'd say he's a very good role player. I'd put him and Middleton in a very similar category. Yes, I could ride with that. And the Bucks took the, the route, and I feel like Denver took this route as well. And I'd say Golden State took this route last year was, hey, we have a superstar. We have one. He's fucking unbelievable. Let's give him now the pieces that fit his game, not let's bring in new – Yes, let's not bring in new superstars that yeah. may play really well, but they don't play well together. Who's going to fucking hold the ball on that team? There's one ball, yeah. and you have three primary ball handlers. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's going to be – I mean, they have a new coach. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I just – Again, it's an on-paper thing. Yeah, it looks fucking great. You know what I mean? It's like when you go to buy a house. You look at it online and not, everything looks good in the pictures. And then you fucking go and then you're like, well, this wasn't exactly what it looked like in the pictures. But it could, maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. I, just, but... I, I think that, again, I, I look at Washington and as much There was as... never intention for Washington to keep CP3. No. So this no. trade was 100% with flipping him or we're buying him out. It, this was yeah. a contract but I mean, shed. I, I think they put themselves in a good position. I mean, yes, second rounders, right? But six of them. And and the way that these second rounds have been included in, you know, all these trades, they're obviously useful to a certain extent. You got the number. I mean, you had the eighth pick. You moved up to seven. Um, you got, you know, you, you took your home run guy. Uh, and then in this next trade, you've got a, a guy that can give you somewhat of a superstar. I, I won't say superstar. Let's just say star play with the Golden State and Washington trade with Washington getting Jordan Poole, Ryan Hollins, uh, a top 20 protected 2030 first round pick, a 2027 second round pick. They also got Patrick Baldwin Jr., uh, who is from Milwaukee. Um, and Golden State got CP3. So I think when you look at these three trades that Washington was involved in, yeah, they're not going to be competitive now, but they put themselves in a position to be competitive in a few years if they can hit, you know what I mean, on their draft picks or they use their their um, free money, you know what I mean, in the next couple years the right way. 
So I I don't think the CP3 thing to Golden State is that huge of a deal. I mean, he's a good leader. I don't think that that team lacks leadership. I guess if Draymond goes, maybe, you know, he, he serves that role. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think at the most it got Golden State out of a financial position to so, have to pay Jordan Poole. Yeah, and, and here's what else I'll say. It allows now the two best – not only is Steph the best shooter – with the ball, like uh, as the primary ball handler, but he's also unbelievable off the ball. Yes. And now it allows Steph to roam and Clay to roam, and you don't have to worry about handling the ball. Steph's getting up there in age. That's something we can't forget. Um, yeah, I mean, so I mean, like, not, you know. But no, but he's getting to the point he where is. he shouldn't be handling the ball, you know, 100% of the possessions every game because he's getting older. He's getting tired, you know? Yes. So being able to like bring in CP. Thing. Once the dirt started to get older, you know, you had a, he couldn't be that. He wasn't the main guy. Not that Steph's there at that point, but you, you do, you know what I'm talking about? Like you, there was eventually like a transition of Dirk where Dirk was like the guy. And then he kind of transitioned into, okay, we need to bring some things to, to help support him a little bit more. Cause he can't be, that same, you know what I mean? All those minutes and, um, you know, especially now with these back-to-back games and things like that. Cause, you know, and Steph's had some injury concerns, you know? He's been yeah. banged up, so. Now that is, yeah, not so much recent as in the past, like with serious ones, I'd say. But he's had minute little ones that have just nagged. Yeah. But he just won a championship last year, so don't come to, like, Nobody can no, see him. Like, oh, yeah, that's why no, I'm not you. You're not like, saying it, but like people could be like, oh, this is – I think it's a good trade for the Warriors. I think it's 100% now predicated on Draymond. Does the If the Warriors can bring back Draymond, I think they put themselves in a really good position because well, CP3 – they Yeah, they put themselves in the position to be able to bring him back. Exactly. So – Yeah, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't – I don't want to get into this trade too much because I don't think that there's a whole lot of like it does it's not that deep. They needed to get rid of pool. They didn't want to they he didn't fit the team. Um they didn't want to they didn't want to be responsible for that financially and they had to put themselves in a position to you know re-sign Draymond and I think CP3 is just kind of like a like an icing on the cake type of deal for them. I mean, I don't think they needed him. Um, no, but I think but, getting rid of pool was the, like you said, was, yeah, the that was intent. the primary thing. And, and, and really getting rid of pool was not just a player, like on the court thing. Like we've talked about it a little bit, but like his attitude didn't fit that team. Well, it's and funny. You, I saw, uh, so there'll be, I just shout out two podcasts, but on the Dan Levitard show, he shouted out, uh, Cameron and Mesa's podcast. Uh, I I heard about that. It is yep. what it is. Yeah. Because Cameron had information about what Jordan Poole had said to to Draymond before Draymond punched him, and it was something along the lines of like, uh, "Why is your Twitter tag like money green when you're broke or some shit like that?" <laughs> when you're not gonna be like you're not gonna get paid next year or something. Yeah, yeah. So like. Uh, 
which was funny because it was cool to see from both. Like, I love Dan Levitard, uh, so it was cool to see him give credit to Cameron and also Cameron being one of like my favorite rappers. Like, it's cool to see them uh, doing well and having a a, a sports podcast. Um, that's kind of, I mean, I would imagine would be. It's like the style is like kind of like what we maybe we would have have we been famous people, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't know I Cam mean, and Mace went to high school together. Yeah, they're both from that Harlem. shit's cool that's, as hell. Yeah, that's like the Cam Cam got a, a kind of got his break from Mace putting him on uh, with uh, I think with Diddy at first. Um, they yeah, there's a they uh, Cameron was on Drink Champs once and he told the whole story because they had beef for a little bit, but it. Again, that to get back to, I don't want to keep going, but it's just cool that they, you know, to see them doing their thing. But he said on there, you know, that that's what Poole said. So I obviously, and Poole's, for, you know, I don't know, it just seems like a reg, like that's a Milwaukee dude right there, right? Like just trash talking, but like, bro, you got to back your shit up. You got knocked out, but gives him a fresh start, right? He's in Washington. He'll get his chance to shine because he'll be the guy there. They don't have anybody there. Yeah, exactly. Is gone. Porzingis is gone. Uh, what's his name? Hachimura is gone. Beal is gone. So Poole gets to be the guy there, and there's not going to be a Draymond Green type of ego that you have to go. Like, you're going to be the guy. All these other guys are young or they're not that good. Like, you're not – the only thing that sucks is you're not going to be competitive, but he has a championship. So, you know what I mean? At that point, you're like, well, shit, I can just – ball and get my money like I've, I've won the championship not you know everybody's different I would want more but you know some people don't see it that way so I, yeah. I think that that's that's the, it's a to me it, it, the names are big but it's really a surface level trade there's not like a whole lot into that you know what I mean yeah I don't, I don't want to yeah I agree wash it is what it is like yeah well, again, I'm not a big fan of Jordan Poole, so I like the trade for Golden State. Not a huge fan of it for Washington, but again, Washington's not trying to make splashes and win today. Yeah, but I mean, they picked up some some. I mean, Ryan Hollins, I think, was a first round pick of 2022, maybe or or 2021, something like something like that. And Patrick Baldwin, I mean, he was a guy that could have went to like Duke and and he ended up staying at UWM because his dad was the coach there. And um, I mean, it didn't really work out that great for him, but he's obviously a guy that has some talent. So, um, you know what I mean? It's, it, it works for both teams. There's a, a, so, and if you don't got anything else to say about that, I want to, I have another trade and it's not like super significant, but I'm going to read through it and I want you to tell me, who you think won this trade? Okay. All right. It's a four-team trade for Denver, Lakers, uh, OKC, and the Pacers again. The Lakers got the number forty pick uh, from Denver via in um, the Pacers. They drafted Maxwell Lewis. A lot of the analysts aren't a fan of the pick. I don't really know much about the guy. Um, Indiana, Indiana got the number 47 pick from the Lakers, which they took, uh, Mojave King. Don't really know much about him. Then they got a 2024 first round pick from OKC via Denver and cash considerations. Oklahoma city got a 2029 first round pick. It doesn't say from who 
Uh, and then Denver got the number 29, number 32 pick from in, from, Indiana, uh, from Indiana. So they took Julian Strother and Jalen Pickett. And then they got the number 37 pick from OKC, uh, Hunter Tyson. I don't know him. And then a 2024 second round pick. Huh. I was kind of just in my head like, how the fuck did Denver get... How did Denver fleece all that? Yeah, dude. Is, is Am I crazy? Or am I like... I was reading this trade and I was like... Because the only reason I read it because I saw Denver. I was like, okay, let's see what the defending champs are trying to do, you know, or what they did. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't watch the whole draft. And I just thought like... Wow, man. I mean, the Lakers got the number 40 pick. I don't know what did they give up. They gave up the number 47 and maybe something else. So I guess that's a win for them. They moved To be honest, by the time you got to Denver, I was I was having difficulty following it because it was yes. so many picks. Yes. And then Denver's right. never stopped. It was like 29, 32, 2024. Yeah. 2024 second. I just feel like, wow, they. I mean, they got three young – they just got younger. You know what I mean? I mean, granted, maybe these guys don't all stick on the team, but 29, 32, 37, those are pretty in that, that's an area of the draft where the guy's at least going to be on the team. And they got a, a guy out of Gonzaga. They got a guy out of Penn State. And they got a guy out of Clemson. I yeah. couldn't tell you their positions. I can click on them. Uh, yeah, so 29. I mean, like, Gonzaga was a guard looking, forward. You're looking at feeling – you know, Bruce Brown's role, yeah, maybe that, you're looking well, at. Potentially... We're back to, sorry, we're back to talking about the Boston and the Suns. Like you're filling now the holes that you need to fill because your core is already there. Yeah. So like they, they're going to training Bruce... for another star player. Yeah. They're like, Hey, bring this guy in. Cause we can teach him the system and we can teach him the Denver way. Yeah. Well, the, the one guy I'd be interested in is that Strother guy from Gonzaga. Um, Cause I think he's a forward. So I think, think that's about, the one I just clicked on. He's a guard forward. Yeah. You you maybe anticipate losing Michael Porter at some point. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just was – it was crazy because I felt like they got the way better end of that deal. Uh, Which you so, think as the champs, people aren't going to fucking, you, you know, bend over backwards. I feel like nobody did it with us. No. I mean, they, they Denver gave up the 40 pick, number 40. And ended up with the 29, 32, 37, and a second rounder. And I'm not sure what else they... Uh, Somebody had to have shed cap in that because it just doesn't sound right. Yeah, I don't know. That's It's super... Unless the, the 2029 first round pick that Oklahoma City got is from Denver. It didn't say. That I could see maybe. Like, you know, oh, okay, I could see that. Um, anyway, that I just thought it was really interesting because I think they took the route that maybe you would have thought as a, as a Phoenix Suns fan that their team should have taken, right? Obviously, the, the boom of Beal, right? Oh, yeah, that's great. But it's all great until fucking, you know what I mean, you, you go up against a team like Denver who's got yeah. depth and got guys that can come off the bench and still score, and you don't have anybody. So I don't know. Uh, but that's – um, the last trade I have is, is obviously the Bucks Orlando trade. Not a big splash, but important to us because the Bucks are our team, and they also moved up. 
because uh, we only had the last pick of the second round moved up into uh, the beginning of the second round. Um, unless you got another trade that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, the, okay. no, no, no. I mean, this trade surprised me when I woke up. I was like, wait, we did what? Because I yeah, didn't know same, what we were going to thing, bro. <laughs> I, I was you more surprised. Like, oh, and obviously you're going to get into the trade itself, but I was surprised we didn't give shit up. Well, yeah, I, I thought that like, was, great. I thought I just this didn't, was a great trade for us. I didn't think we had the capital to, to get in back into this draft without trading uh, Chris Middleton or a book Lopez. If I'm going to be honest, I didn't think we had the ability because of how much we gave up for Crowder. And then when I saw we traded in, I was like, fuck, what did we trade? You know? Yeah. So, so for everybody, the bucks got the 36 pick, uh, uh, which is in the second round. Uh, and then we gave up a second rounder in 2030 and cash considerations the only thing I can think that the, because to me I'm like, wow, what a great deal for us because we didn't, or else we only had that last pick in the second round, which I feel like we're gonna have some holes to fill, so it's nice, and we need to get younger. We are one of the older teams, um, so I thought that it was a great trade for us. So the only thing I can think of is that Orlando was in a position where having more picks would put them in a bad financial space because they would have. Yeah. I think they had what two picks in the first round. They had two in the first like ten. Yeah, so that's potentially like I don't know seven, eight. It could be like six, seven mil per per like per year per guy. Yeah, they had they had the six and the eleven. So the eleventh, right? Yeah. So I think that's the only thing, and they might have had more picks too in the second round. Um, I'm not sure, but that's the only thing I could think of is that it put them in a better financial position to not spread out money. Uh, among three or four guys, you know what I mean. But yeah, I mean, for us. we for us. and and we aren't going to get into it for anyone out there like thinking like, well, how come you guys aren't talking about the money? The new CBA was just signed, and I'm going to be honest, it's pretty confusing. So yeah, I've read know. about it a little bit. So we're not getting into the money on the podcast because neither of us are educated enough to like really know what we're talking about. But we can both agree that whatever the CBA says. It's allowing teams to be to open cap space to keep guys they had, if that makes sense. I think too. Um, I mean, this this from the store. So wait, okay. Before I get into that, that second, that last pick that we had that the Bucks had, the the guy that we took with the thirty six pick, uh, Andre Jackson Jr. He's a six six guard from UConn. Uh, so championship pedigree. Uh, I mean. Hurley's an awesome coach. You know what I mean? I, I think that this guy is coming from a team that was very well coached. And he's a athletic defender, um, can handle the ball, can play some. I think he was the primary ball handler for UConn, uh, even though he's six six and kind of plays a guard forward type position. Um, I like it. I like the pick. So I know you like the pick, and I don't. So I explain, don't explain so, why you don't like the pick. Cause I don't think it fits our team. Like he can't shoot. He's 27% career from three point even worse. Or I think he's 29% career, 27% catch and shoot. Now I get it. If he's the primary ball handler, he won't be catch and shoot as much, but that's also saying that Giannis isn't going to be a ball handler, which he will be right. 
takes the ball out of Drew's hand, which, hey, we could talk about what we just talked about with Steph. Taking out of his hands later in his career might be a good thing. Not so much against that part. He's a good defender, so I like that. He's long. He's big. I like that. But he can't shoot. And if he's not handling the ball, so say we're running a set that doesn't have him handling the ball, when UConn struggled, and this is something I read. I didn't, I didn't go back and watch tape, but this is something I read from a scout. When UConn struggled in the middle of the season, because they just they didn't barely get into the tournament, but they struggled for a bit. I think they lost to Marquette um, and a few other losses Marquette in the middle a of the team last they, year. Yeah, I'm not shitting. I'm just saying like there was a time and place in the season where Mar- uh, UConn wasn't a very good team, and during that time, defenders for him specifically for Andre Jackson Jr. they were playing about ten feet off of him. They were daring him to shoot, and they were taking his playmaking ability away because they were just clogging the lane. And that worries me with a Giannis. Because um, if Giannis' shot doesn't get even better, and there's nothing to say it won't. I'm not saying it can't. I'm not saying he's not working on it. Um, they already sag off of him. Yeah. So now you have player two players that they can sag off of, which if you look historically at the Milwaukee Bucks when we started to get good, we've had players that you can't sag off of and allowed Giannis to be able to roam the lane. Well, now if you start saying, and with him being 6'6", it's almost uh, like you're playing the devil's game because you can't put a 6'2 guard on him, right? Yeah. Because So now they're going to have to put a a small forward or a tall shooting guard on him, and if that guy's sagging, now you just have more length sagging. Does that make sense? No, I get it. So I don't – I think for me, in my opinion – Shooting is something you can work on. And he also wasn't responsible for being, you know what I mean, the the guy that the offense ran through. So, you know what I mean? I, I think you always you, you always well, he's, have guys on the team that, yeah. that can, can't shoot. You know what I mean? It's It does cause, you know, it causes so, some. Let some, me say this. Let me say this. Up. Before, not to cut you off, I don't mean to do that. We didn't give up shit for him. So I'm not upset about what we gave up. I just don't know if he fits this squad today. And I could be completely wrong. We could see him come in like a, what, like what they expected Ben Simmons to actually be. Right? Because yeah. he's athletic. He's just not 6'8". I think Ben Simmons is 6'8 or 6'10". Yeah, yeah, Ben Simmons is – he's, he's that's, bigger. That's the biggest – that's the best comparison I've seen to not a current NBA player to a current prospect when they came out. Yeah. So like Ben Simmons, which I guess was, in the second round you're not you're not mad at at the position. no, but I think Ben Simmons changed the way people look at those type of players. Crazy athletic, crazy vision, great ball handling, can't shoot. Okay, well he's not a first rounder. You know what I mean? Yeah, the guy can't score, so he's not going in the first round. Yeah. but I mean you and look I, at a guy like Rajon Rondo, man. Rajon Rondo was not a sh- he didn't he couldn't shoot. He was a horrible free throw <clears> shooter, but because of the way he could play point you know what i mean he had length rajon rondo had length on him he did you know what i mean he was a good defender and he was he was a good facilitator so now you're thinking okay say Giannis's shot does improve then a facilitator is not such a bad thing because Giannis might be the guy in the mid-range you know what i mean you you have to respect both both aspects of his game if his shot does improve and it gives it takes some of that energy away from drew because drew is been proven, primary although, defender yeah but drew has also proven to, that he can sustain 
the offense. You he know can. what I mean? But I, I agree. I think that he struggles, and we've seen this, right? He struggles when he's got to be the primary for both, the primary yeah. defender and the primary source of offense. So if you can take that, some of that off of his plate, I think that that's a you know what I mean that that could be a good thing and to have a guy that's six six that can that can facilitate and play point but also defend and very athletic it it proves provides mismatches for the other for the other deep for the defense you know for the other team so you might have a mismatch you know where oh this guy can't shoot they're gonna sag off of him but on defense you're gonna have mismatch because you got two six six guards out there. Um, you know, primary defenders plus Giannis, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think I, the potential, I agree with that. And at the very least, if this guy can, can fill in uh, on the bench and just provide youth, then it's, you know, I mean, like you said, we really didn't give shit up for it. So I think it's good. I like the fact that he's, that he's from a winning team and he's from a, a coach that, you know what I mean? Hurley has a, that, I just feel like he has a different style of coaching and maybe Adrian Griffin has that kind of style of coaching, you know what I mean? Or and maybe it fits that way. Maybe it fits the team in that aspect more than it does looking and seeing how the X's and O's are going to play out. But yeah, you know. and, and I I, do, I don't dislike the move. I I hope that's not how it came off. I just worry that yeah, you don't see lose, how he fits. It's, we lose yeah. some of our identity, but then again, and then my only I'm going to poke one hole in your example. Rajon Rondo didn't have a Giannis, right? Rajon Rondo had a Kevin Garnett who could shoot from the mid-range like a motherfucker, had a Paul Pierce who shot from the mid-range like a motherfucker, and Ray Allen who shot from the outside as well as anybody in the history of the NBA. So So if Giannis' shot improves, then it's kind of the same. If Giannis can get a mid-range to, I'm not even going to say Kevin Garnett, I'm talking, I don't even know what he shoots mid-range. If it's 40 if he could shoot at 45, 50%, we're now talking this kid could change the entire way yeah. the Bucks are. Because, sure, you can sag off of this guy, but now he's going to blow by you and dunk on you because he's 6'6 and athletic as fuck. Yeah, and I'm honestly looking at the guys drafted after Jackson, the only guy that I can that I know anything about that I would want would be maybe that Jordan Walsh guy. But – you know what I mean? I, I just like the I don't fact I that, like that the pick. Made, I like what... that we made the move to try to get somebody because we need to get younger and we do because we got Wes technically gone. Crowder's gone. Wes is gone. Um, who's the what's the uh, white dude we got from Utah? I can't. I always forget his name. Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is gone. Um, potentially, you know what I mean. Carter could opt out. He hasn't yet, so I don't know if he's going to, but Javon Carter could opt out, so that's a guy you could lose because that's a guy that will get paid by a contending team. Um, yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? So you, you potentially you have holes that need to be filled. Uh, it's funny, DiVincenzo opted out from Golden State, so that's kind of uh, – I saw somebody said, right, right the wrong and bring him back. Um, I'm not against it if he signs a friendly deal. Yeah. Honestly, we need to fill we need to fill those bench and like we need yeah. to fill those gaps. So like at the very least that's what I feel like this pick is trying to get us younger and give us, you know, depth and players to work with. Uh obviously, you know, I mean, you look at our pick last year, Bochamp, he didn't get 
he got opportunity in the beginning of the season, not as much towards the end, I feel. But, you know, you you look at this and you say, hey, what can we work with? You know what I mean? And, again, yeah. if you're looking how Denver's doing, right, Denver's not trying to find a star. No, it, no, no, no. I... If it happens, it's a fucking plus. But, but they probably doing, won't be able to hold on to it. No, <laughs> but what you're doing is you're trying to look for guys that can fill the roles or the, the you know, roles of – players that you foresee hey we're probably not going to be able to keep that guy next year so what so, can we get now yeah or, or is it worth getting somebody now you know because you you don't know i feel like in the nfl you know more about player visits um and you know because there was there's so much more there's a such a gap between the draft and the end of the season that you hear oh this guy went for a visit this guy went for a visit Whereas with the NBA, I don't feel like you hear too much about scouting and, you know, oh, this guy, you know, met with the Bucks. They really like him. Like with this next pick, the last pick of the second round with that guy, I would have never known that had he not told the story. And yeah. Yep. Um, so for but, those who don't know. Real ahead. quick, let me, before you jump, that was a great segue. I apologize, but I want to contradict myself and I want to walk back two points. One, love the size. Six, six with like a seven foot wingspan or some shit, I will never complain about size. That I think immediately makes us better. You now have three guards with like six, eight, six, ten, six, seven foot wingspans yeah. with, with Drew Holiday, <clears throat> Mo, uh, Mojan, <clears throat> and uh, Jackson. Second point I wanted to make on Jackson, character. Everyone beams about this kid's character from his high school coaches to his teammates, to his college coach, to Adrian Griffin, who also played with his college coach or coached with his college coach. I don't know what his uh, um, relationship with uh, Hurley is, but they have a close relationship. And supposedly their discussion was like, hey, this kid's like the greatest kid I've ever met, like character wise. So I wanted to put those two things out here, out there, because I think those are what changes it for me from being like a a bad pick to I'm, 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 I'm happy about the pick. I just am skeptical of how it works. Well, you always, I mean, the culture, right? Like, again, I feel like we're a team like Denver. I think, I think now that Denver has a championship, Denver and Milwaukee, our teams are comparable. Uh, I I agree. The philosophy is there even from, you know what I mean, the GM spot down to the coaching, down to the players. It's a very, you know, we are a team. We work together. No no one is bigger than the next person. I mean, Giannis is probably one of the most humble dudes that you've heard, you know what I mean? I've, I mean, actually, I have met him, but, you know, I, that, that you've ever seen on, you know, on a sports team. Uh, and I think Jokic is the same way. He's like, hey, man, this is, you know, this isn't, this is about the team. So I think that even, like you said, something like that where people might not think that those things matter when you're drafting somebody, it does. The character stuff does matter. How's this guy going to get along with the rest of our crew? You know, how's the locker room going to be? Is this guy a student of the game? Does he love the game? And you know what I mean? You you look for that kind of stuff, especially when you have a young star, a young superstar like a Giannis or a Jokic, like you want – to keep that intact. Like you want to keep those kind of people around because you don't want a Jordan pool situation, right? Like as good as pool can be, it's not worth it. And it clearly yeah. showed that it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Yep. There was, there was internal turmoil and all that shit. So 
I think that, you know, you pointing that out is it's a good thing because that does carry a lot of weight, you know, especially when you're looking, we need, this is all we can get, right? The Bucks are in a position where we don't have a whole lot of money. We don't have a whole lot of draft capital. So you got to look at those aspects when taking a guy, because this is, this is your only shot. You know, we traded. Yeah. You got to get creative second rounders for Crowder or whatever. For a guy who played eight games, you know, so we don't really have many opportunities in the future uh, in terms of the draft to look at and say, Hey, can we get a guy like that? So, yeah, I, I, I think you've convinced me more than I've unconvinced myself reading about him. I'm excited to see him, Bochamp, Drew, Chris, because, I mean, we can talk about it if you want. I don't think we need to. Chris is coming back. Um, I think so. Brooks the one that I'm a little worried about. Yeah, because there's there's some rumors that some money's being thrown at him. But um, Now, I totally ruined your amazing segue. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but what, yeah, what I was segueing to is, is um, a story that, that you, that I had read, but you also highlighted in our, in our chat. Uh, but with the last pick in the second round, the Bucks drafted Chris Livingston, um, another length, length guy, athletic guy from Kentucky. Um, I think he's also six, six, um, if I'm not mistaken, not, not a huge contributor uh, in terms of of stats, statistics in college. I don't think what he averaged like six points or something like that. Maybe yeah, rebounds, couple assists, or something. Wasn't like real that. impressive in college, but something stood out. Yeah, and you're gonna explain why. Yeah, and I think the story. So, like, it, it, what I was saying is, in the NBA, you don't hear as many, at least maybe not locally here with the Bucks writers, but you don't hear a whole lot of, uh, you don't have a whole lot of information about who they're looking at, you know, who they visited with, where their scouts have watched. Like I just, maybe in the NBA, it's just not, maybe because in the NFL you have seven rounds. So you're, you know, you're meeting with a lot of people. Um, but the story about this guy is that he met with the Bucks. I think he met with them twice or they talked to him twice met with them and, once and then he worked out once okay and then the bucks told him they said hey if you're there because at that time our only pick was this the 58th pick uh the last pick yep. in the second round they said hey if you're there we're gonna draft you guaranteed and they gave him a guarantee and what happened is his agent who is rich paul i believe right yes um was that clutch sports yeah, it's uh, LeBron James' best friend, uh, yeah. also agent. But, yeah, Clutch Sports. Clutch Sports. Rich Rich Paul. Who I think uh, – is Rich Paul Marjan's agent as well? He might be. I think they might come from the same Clutch Sports. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, what the agent started to do was to call teams and, and tell them not to draft his guy. And it, the strategy worked. And he was there, and the Bucks drafted him like they said they would. Uh, and so I just thought, and I know you thought it was an interesting story too. I was. I just have never. Work. I just have never heard of that. Like, I was talking to Jen about it. For those that don't know, Jen's my wife. But I was amazed at his trust in the in the organization. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, but if I can get drafted at all, and if the Bucks didn't have the last pick. 
I wouldn't be maybe as amazed. If, does that make sense? Because then he still has an opportunity. Yeah. But, like, you're calling around to teams or your agent's calling around to teams in the second round saying, don't draft my guy. He doesn't want to play for you. And then leaving it at that. Because you got to imagine if you're a contender in the East and, they, and which Paul calls you and says, don't draft Chris Livingston, he wants to play for the Bucks. You're looking at it and going, whoa, wait, what did we miss? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he didn't, he canceled seven workouts. Yeah. Not only did he, and that's crazy. If you think not about only that, did he tell his agent, draft you, you're, <clears throat> you're fucked. Yeah. So I thought, one, awesome on the kid. Like, hey, I want to be in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee says they want me, and I trust them. But you know what? Good on fucking John Horst, dude, keeping his word and, yeah. and telling this kid, I promise you, you will be a Milwaukee Buck if you're available. And when he was, they took him. And that shit, like, that's probably the coolest draft story I've ever heard, if I'm going to be honest. Like, yeah, that is, from that both is, ends. It's a pretty cool story. And I, I was, like, I, again – Looking at, he doesn't have that many highlights. Didn't really get them, you know, have that much stats. But I think that there's potential. And like, but he went to a he went to Kentucky. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he went to Kentucky. He was, which <clears throat> he's that means he played for a big time school. He yeah. played big time games. He played well, for he was, a good. I think he was a pretty big prospect too coming out of high school. He just didn't have um, the year that maybe they thought he would have, but. Because uh, I don't, I don't I think he just played the one year. He came out after one year. So, I mean, good on he him. Make, he, he wanted to be in the NBA. and He did make SEC All-Freshman. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, SEC, maybe maybe not so much basketball, but they are, I mean, it's a big, it's a big conference. <clears throat> well, I mean. Well, I guess, yeah. Here's the thing. He didn't, he wasn't, he didn't have great numbers, but he shot 43, 31, 72. He 6'6 with a 6'11 wingspan. Again, 220. So he's going to be able to bang with guards. Yeah. I I like the pick and I like the fact that, like, I just love the fact that we fell in love with him. He fell in love with us enough to say, Hey, seven other NBA teams that could potentially draft me higher than 58, go fuck off. Yeah. I want to be in Milwaukee. Like, that's well, because that, then nobody's giving you a guarantee, you know? Well, you're 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 taking the gamble saying, hey, this team's gonna guarantee to take me. Cause I think now with the there was something about that story with the new CBA that um that is that allows second round picks to get longer contracts. So the Bucks guaranteeing it meant you know what I mean? That he for sure was going to have this opportunity to stick around in the NBA, maybe for, you know, a few years, at least guaranteed and not, you know, be up in limbo as a, a two-way player or undrafted guy and hopping around from, because, you know, again, the NBA is different. The preseason is different. You know what I mean? You, you're going, you're going, I feel like you practice a lot. Um, you have more time you know, for people to see you, but in the NBA, I feel like you just get kind of get summer league and that's kind of it. And summer leagues kind of just, you know, I think four games of basketball and four games of football are totally different. I agree. Um, you know, in terms of, of, because you're, you're a certain player. If you're a receiver, uh, you know, you could say, Oh man, this guy played three or three quarters, you know, where cause if you're a guard, you're competing with, there's two guards that start, then there's going to be, 
you know, four guards probably in a summer league team off the bench, you're not getting as many opportunities as you would, you know, unless you really stand out out the, out the gate. But uh, I just thought it was a cool story. You know, I, I don't, obviously we could be homers and be like, Oh, this is a great pick. He's going to fit great. This is going to be awesome. He's going to be a superstar. But I think that it's just another, it's another character thing. It's another, you know, youth movement and depth from the, on the bench to fill some of these spots in a maybe cheaper way. Right. Cause we don't have the financial Ath- flexibility. Young, athletic, athletic cheap, along. I, I like it. Like, yeah. And there's, I, I, I mean, there's potential. The, the, no, nobody can say, oh, you're just being a homer, man. These guys suck. Because you look at Miami and Miami this year, maybe in the last couple of years, because some of those guys have been on that team for, for two, three years. But Miami has proven to you that you can get a guy in the late second round. You can get an undrafted well, guy. You can find talent. You can find guys to fit into your team. I mean, they made it to the fucking finals. My response to anyone that says, oh, he was picked last, like, get off, you know, get off of it, blah, 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 Malcolm Bogdan. And he was picked under John Horst. So if there's a guy who sees something in someone and knows, you know, goes, hey, this could be the guy, I'm going to trust John Horst. He's done it already. Yeah. It could have been a fucking – it's it's a gamble. It's luck. But he's done it. I'm going to take the guy – who wins that poker over the guy who loses yeah. <laughs> like that's luck too in a way no for sure for sure and i you know and i, I just think again you know it, it addressed depth that it has like you said athleticism length the youth you know what i mean uh, we are we are one of the oldest teams in the league you know you look at the guys that i just said joe Ingles, west matthews uh you know even brooke is older you know, I guess Drew is an older is an older player. Um, I don't know. Bobby Portis isn't old, but he's not young. You know what I mean? Like we we got a lot of you know old guys, so we do need this youth movement. And I do I do like the two undrafted guys that we signed. Um, Amari Moore is a guy that we signed. He's a two way uh, two way contract from San Jose State. They said he can shoot and play D. Another six six athletic guy. Um, he was one of like the top ten snubs of the draft that I read, and and from multiple different um, journalists and different, you know, ESPN, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated. Uh, he was on their list as one of the snubs of the of the draft. So meaning he had second round talent, but didn't get taken. And then Drew Timmy. From Gonzaga, I don't think that's obvious. I don't really have to explain uh, who Drew Timmy is because he played there for like 19 years, it feels like. But they signed him to an Exhibition 10 contract, which means they can put him on a two-way um, if he, you know, if they like him, if he shows up. Uh, again, I think he fits winning. our scheme. I, You know what? I'm going to be honest, man. I really like – I think I said his name on the – You said it? On the pre-draft. Yeah, I like his style because he kind of is the guy that, like, will, can do little the little things for you, like, off the bench. Like, he, he's – I'm trying to think of who you compare him to because he's not, he's not a great defender. He's not the most athletic guy. But he, like – like, he has the footwork and the paint. Like, he, he just surprises you. The, he, like, he has the IQ. Like he knows how to how to position himself to get a rebound over you, 
he knows how to position himself to get, you know, a post a, a post layup on you, you know, back you down. He's and, savvy. He's a savvy yeah, player. A like I could see, I could see him fitting. I could see him making our team and fitting in, uh, in, the, in the role time. And, and here's another thing I want to say about the bucks as we uh, wrap this up is we don't know what the bucks are really going to look like going into 2023 because we have a new coach with a completely different style. Yeah. So before we shit on anything, before we overreact to anything, let's let's pump the brakes and say, hey, this is Adrian Griffin's first time coaching, but also he's gotten like the uh, the cosign from so many guys. Yeah, like he's not coming in and people are going, what, what, uh, what are you, why? Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of cosigns. A lot of people like him, you know, and who knows what the team's going to look like. We could look totally different than we looked like with Coach Bud. I mean, I, I kind of hope that. I feel like we got stagnant. Well, I think we have to because we're changing the dynamic of our team. We went from a superstar driving slasher to all shooters, right? Yeah. Name a guy who wasn't somebody who sat in the corner. Like you could even say Bobby Portis was a guy who they just put in the corner, but he traditionally was a slasher, but they changed his role because it was what fit our team under Bud. I could see us being more attack the rim, not just Giannis attack the rim. We're still going to get up our threes, but maybe not as much as we saw in the past. And maybe now instead of shooting 45 threes a game, we're shooting 30 we're still shooting approximately the same percentage, maybe a little lower, but those long threes now become plays at the rim. Yeah. And we see Giannis posting up more or things like that. Cause I don't think we've unlocked Giannis's full potential. And I'm not even talking about his jump shot. I'm talking about him being a dominant low, low post guy, Yeah, you know, getting the ball down low 12 to 15 times a game from game from Andre Jackson jr. Who's an a, a excellent passer. Unbelievable pass. Yeah, Drew Drew Timmy is a good passer too. Exactly. So like, in there. I think that we're just every at any point. I mean, we did this with the Packers. We did this with every sport, every team we've ever liked. We're resistant to change as fans, right? Because it's like, well, that worked. You know, it's, like it's the biggest unknown. You know, and and you're going to an unknown. So now, I'm almost excited for this season, like I'm excited for the Packers season. Because it's like, okay, what are we going to look like? We don't have a guy. Oops, excuse me. We don't have a guy just standing on the three-point line, and that's all he does. Yeah. You know, like maybe we'll actually run some plays. Maybe we'll yeah. actually have it's some not movement. Just, yeah, and it's not just oh, dribble drive. And, Giannis. And, and if this guy is that bad of a shooter and it ends up not working out that great, then you put him in a pick and roll with a great shooter. And now, and now you you know you yeah. put him in pick and roll with the Chris Middleton. Versi- it gives our it gives our roster some versatility. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're not great shooters, but you find guys, and, and who knows? The guy could that can change. I feel like you can improve shooting easier than you can. You can't teach athleticism. You can't teach length. You can't teach vision. Those are things that you just have, like court vision, you know, like you just have those things. The, they're intangibles or things that you can't learn. 
You either have it or you don't. Yeah, shooting and I'll say this. Improve. There's been I, people that have improved their shooting. There's tons of stories in the NBA so about I'll that. I'll say this about his shooting. Um, he's, he's not a good shooter. I've, I've hit on that multiple times, but they did change his form completely this past year. So, like, it might just take time. Yeah. I guess he had a bad hitch or something, and they took it out. And now maybe he's getting used to, you know, this new form and this new kind of way of shooting that he just needs the time. And, and who knows, three years from now, we could be going, are we sure that's the guy who is the bad shooter? Yeah. You know? Well, and again, and he also was on a team where he wasn't asked to be the primary shooting. You know, that that wasn't his role. I mean, they had Jordan Hawkins, who, man, if we want to segue, he was one of my favorite picks of the draft, Jordan Hawkins. Um, he went to the Pelicans. The guy can shoot. He had over 100 three-pointers made and like 50 of them were contested so the guy can shoot uh with people in his face doesn't give a fuck he can just light it up um but you know so maybe yeah maybe you know the mix of them changing his form him not being the primary because if you're not getting if you're not getting that in-game practice with a new you know with how you're shooting i don't think okay i'm not a hooper so let me you know, let me just put that out there. But sometimes practice reps, when you're just shooting in the gym as opposed to shooting during the game, I feel like there has to be a massive difference. Well, it is, but I also think it <clears throat> it's more difficult when you're younger. You know, you don't have the maturity and the like mental capacity to handle the crowd, the defense, the noise, the whatever the situation in the game is. And like, as you get older, your body, if you built, like if you train it, because your body, your mind can be trained, right? Like emotional intelligence in sports is a thing. It's new, but it is a thing. And if you can grow your emotional intelligence to slow down, you know, to now make it more practice like speed, that's, I think that's when people, and I don't know, I've never played at that level, but I remember thinking back to when I played in high school and like I would, my, my mind would be going a hundred miles an hour. And as I got older, it was playing like intramurals, the game slowed down, you know? And I think that's just you growing emotionally, uh, emotionally intelligent. And you just like, you're able to like reduce your heart, uh, your pulse and your like heart variable rhythms or H H O V or whatever it is, the rhythmic, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not, your body's not, you were, yeah, you were much better player as you got older than you were in high school and i think that's because well one i got bigger right like i gained well but i think pounds but i think i just got just you've got like the maturity aspect you know yeah because when you're younger you just everything's going 100 miles an hour yeah so if this kid's learning a new shot in practice i guarantee if we went back and watched the film this year his old form came out 50% 50% of the time because he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, he's still trying to like just play the game and it's not coming natural yet. So like give the kid some time to mature and, and grow into his own. And I do think he can end up being a good player. I don't know if he'll be a superstar, but no. And again, that, like, we're not, we're not putting those not, expectations on it. Yeah. We don't, we don't necessarily need, I mean, yeah, it's a welcome, you know, blessing if you find a diamond in the rough, but it's not what we need right now. Like we don't need another superstar. We just need a guy that can play a role and, and 
that's you know what I mean. I mean, you, Denver had a rookie, that Chris Brown guy. He or Brown Brown, however he, he says it, but uh, he played. He had some big plays as a rookie for that team. You didn't need him to be the superstar. You just needed him to be there and make some plays, and that's exactly what he did. So if that's what we get from this guy, I mean, that's all you can ask for. Anything over that is, you know, it's just an extra blessing. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I'm interested. I'm, I'm really excited so, about Summer League. I'm never really super excited about it. So you see. said your favorite pick. Well, that was one of my favorite picks. <clears throat> yeah, so it was up there. Um, my favorite pick, one of my favorite picks was – uh, and we're not talking about Wemby because I don't think that's fair. Yeah, I was going to say outside of that. Was um, the kid out of Marquette. Dude, that was I was going to say that one too. Um, Olivier, I, I like – Olivier Maxson's Prosper. Yeah, and yeah. and my, my most disliked pick uh, is uh, – I'm sorry, but I just don't like it – is Grady Dick. Uh, I just – he looks like a – he reminds me of like a Mike Miller or some like – I don't know, I just – and it's hard at, or whatever. At, at, at that point, right? And that's the thing, though, about the NBA draft is even if you get a guy, like a, the 13th pick, you're like, this guy better be good. But if he ends up just being a bench player for 12 years, man, that's a good pick, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think Mike Miller's a bad one. I just don't know if 13 is the guy that – that's the guy I want <clears throat> when I'm the yeah. Raptors, and I don't need a dude who's going to not be the 13. Um, he's 6'8". He's big. He but he's shoot. I mean, but that's shoot. it. Like he's just yeah. not like I don't. I see him being a very. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just wasn't a fan of the pick. I and I I think to bounce back to that that Prosper pick from Marquette, I think it, I liked it. I loved it when I, the Kings drafted him, but they ended up trading him to the Mavericks, which I think will still be good for him anyway. But my my least favorite pick. I would have to say it would be the fifth pick where the Pistons taking um, Oscar Thompson. Okay. And I just, and the only reason I don't like it for them is because you have Jaden Ivey, you have Cade Cunningham. Like I I just thought either maybe get a, a, a bigger guy, you know, maybe a forward, somebody bigger, but, or trade back. Like you could have, maybe use them to, to get some draft capital. So the only I mean, thing that, that yeah. team has a lot of young guys on there so already. Do you just not like it for the Pistons or you just, I just didn't, yeah, I felt like it didn't fit. Cause here's my question for you. Speaking of the Thompson brothers, they played on the same team. Yeah. Right. I just, I got, I got a question. Cause I asked Jen this and she just kind of shrugged her shoulders. Cause I didn't expect a response if I'm being honest, but I was confused. Amen. Thompson, they're twins, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know that. Eamon Thompson goes forward to the Rockets. They're both 6'7", 6'8". They're both guard slash forwards. Um, but, again, Eamon Thompson goes fourth. Also, Thompson goes fifth. How did Also Thompson go fifth when he was the league MVP, back-to-back finals MVPs? <laughs> like when, you know, it's how, funny. They talked, about they... This. they talked about this on that mock draft special. Um, that I had watched before our last episode, and they were saying that that they think uh, um, a man or a man Thompson has like a higher ceiling, and that that's why they think teams are going to pick him um, over Oscar because the the ceiling is higher. But I mean, 
I, I just that too. I was like, damn, this guy was the finals MVP, the or in their league, right? The champion, the MVP of the championship. I think he was the MVP of the league as well. And I'm like, how did he go after? Yeah, I don't know. It's like I'm very confused at that. Like I, I saw that and I'm like, wait, I thought Eamon was the one who had all the accolades and all the stats. And then I was like, wait, why would you take? No, this? I think I think they feel the ceiling is higher on him, but. I mean, you're going four and five, so... I know, but I just you know. didn't understand it from the Rockets' perspective. Like, you had a chance to take this league MVP and the back-to-back finals MVP. My second most disliked, and it's probably 1A and 1B, was actually Scoot Henderson. Yeah. And I think we talked about it prior, but after watching his interviews, and this has nothing to do with <clears throat> culture or anything. I just, I don't like, I, I don't really like him. I don't, I don't, I like, I watch anything, don't get me but... wrong. It's cool to be confident, but there's a point where like it becomes gross. Is that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would rather somebody be humble about getting to the NBA than to be. It cocky wasn't even them. close. It was, it was disgusting. If I'm going to be honest, like I was disgusted watching his interviews because he was so full of himself that I was like, I, Jen even said, she goes, who is this guy? I go, oh, he was just picked third. And she goes, I wouldn't draft that guy. Purely based off of like more of his interview, like two interviews. I mean, again, you know, you want to be confident, but I think I I would rather see, and maybe this is just me. You know, people could say, "I well, you're a fucking idiot," and that's fine. I'll accept it. But I would rather see my draft pick crying because uh, he's just happy he made it to the league than to be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be the best. I'm the best, and I should have went number one," and uh, that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like, bro, just be just be happy that you're in the league, that you're getting the opportunity. I mean, you went third, you know what I mean? You, you can't you can't have too many chips on your shoulders, but <laughs> I don't know. But, like, I didn't like it for Portland, mainly because everything we talked about pre-draft, like, yeah. you brought in a point guard. I don't know how this fits. Like, if it doesn't fit, you're going to stick with your number three pick. You're not going to stick with Dame. And if that's the case, fine. Like, it, it is what it is. I'm fine with it. I'm sick of hearing Dame getting traded every goddamn year yeah. and nothing happens. But I don't know. And then after watching his interviews and then watching some of the stuff he was saying, just the fact that he picked double zero as his number instead of zero was taken and he wouldn't let me have it or some, something was his comment. It was just something stupid. So I'll take double zero. And I'm just like, what, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? Like, you haven't done yeah. anything yet. Like, Act like you've been like. Don't act like you've been there before because you haven't. And, and you yeah, played I in the look at it because I didn't see anything on him. I really didn't care. He just, he just, it was off-putting. And, and like you said, I want a guy who's going to come into work, not a guy who thinks he's made it. Yeah. But and I don't I know. Think, uh, do we got to give a. Do we have to give a shout out to the guy that's from uh, Muskego or whatever that got drafted? The no. Brand, Brandon Pods, Podzinski. I never even heard of the dude. Played at Santa Clara. The Warriors drafted him. Oh. I mean, he reminds me of a Tyler Hero. Uh, I don't both, even see his name. Was uh, it the first round? Personality. Yeah. The oh, yeah. I see it now. Yeah. He, oh, uh, God. He looks like a goober. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a mad goober. I was like, oh, Tyler Hero 2.0. Yeah, he's small in size and stature. <laughs> Good job. He had a, a, a blinged out, iced out chain, a BS, or, or a, no, BP. Those are his initials. 
I was like, all right, here we go, another Tyler Hero. Yeah. Either um, way, hopefully he does well. Maybe. Yeah, I, I just know. want to figure he's from Wisconsin. We should probably give him a shout-out, even though we – Shout out BP, even Shout though you BP well, too. Well, I guess I mean he's a, the way he plays. He probably went to the best place. Uh, yeah, I was just right. gonna say that. Now they just have another guy who can't do anything but shoot. Yeah. Fuck it, whatever. Exactly. Stack them up. Um. So before we go, yeah. Uh, any any big names? Do you think? Uh, obviously, John Collins got traded uh, yesterday uh, from the Hawks. That was to me was a purely cap move. They're in a bad financial position, but. Is there any other big name that you think is going to be moved before or, like, during free agency? Because I think free agency starts uh, next week, or is it this Thursday or something like that, Friday maybe? I thought it was – the legal tampering was, like, Thursday, and then the first is the, when free so agency Saturday, is official. Right? Yeah. Saturday is the first day. Okay. Any, any, names, any names that you've seen that you think are going to get traded? And then give me one, like – big free agent that moves teams a dude i mean i don't know how many free agents you know i don't know a ton of free agents so i think chris comes back and i think that's finalized soon i think that that's particular to the bucks i am worried about book lopez i'm optimistic he'll come back but i am worried um we need a positive story here in the next 48 hours big big perk big kendrick perkins thinks brooks coming back so i feel like that's some hope for me um, I think Dame does end up getting traded. Uh, I, I think it's going to happen. I just don't know why it's taking so long. Big name, it, other big names. It makes too much sense for both sides. He it, needs to go somewhere where he can try to win. He's gave them, you know what I mean? He's given them a lot, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump with him and with, with CJ McCollum. So, and I think then it gives way for Scoot to take that role and then gives them the financial flexibility you know what I mean? To to build around Scoot then and, and just try to, you know, reload. And I think that's what they have to do because you decided to take this uh you know, this move. Yeah. You it's so, basically he's a he's an he's a dame replacement, you know what I mean? I mean I don't know. I don't like, think they can coexist. Especially if he's got that attitude that you you know what I mean, that ego. Well, I don't think they can coexist, but I also think that if you're going to wait to trade Dame, you're, every year you wait loses exponential, you know, like uh, yeah. value. So, like, just, just pull the trigger. Like, so I do think it's going to be Dame. <clears throat> I, I always think it's interesting. I think Aiton will go at some point because I, I, I do think that relationship's fractured so much that you're going to choose a Durant. And then my last one is I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bam Adebayo ends up going, and that could be in the Dame thing. But because where there's smoke, there's fire, and when players start to hear their names on the trade block from teams that they thought were loyal, it it starts to create kind of a weird angst. Yeah. And Bam's young enough to where I don't think they want that fractured relationship long term, um, and they want to get something out of him. So if that means bringing in an aging Dame, to try to pair up with Jimmy Butler, then that's what they do. So those are my three names that I wouldn't be surprised if they get dealt. Yeah. Um, yeah I think, I think those are a Dame, Aiton. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't think in, the Hawks might not be done moving. But I wouldn't I be. Su- so surprising teams in free agency or my surprise team in free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if some people decide to go to San Antonio. Would not be surprised. 
Like, hey, I want to jump I, on this Wemby train now. Yeah, and... I don't know. I think they might wait that out. They might wait another year to even spend the money. They they I, could yeah, but they you, know I mean? you, you could, could see go guys go there where your subpar is still get. You could see guys go there for cheap pick. though. For next year, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying maybe guys going on the low. You know, like hey, this guy's a steal now. Um, I would. I think guys like that will want to. They would rather see what he's like first. Yeah, you that's a good point. You don't want to go there and then like. Uh, I, I'm trying to think, man. Who other? Who are some other guys that could get moved that have contracts and. I don't really know. I guess I don't. I don't pay much attention. Maybe, maybe um, Carl Anthony Towns, um, or Zach Levine. I could Draymond. See well, Draymond would have. To, he would be signed. I was just thinking of people that could get traded. Oh, traded. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I could see. I could see both of those guys. Draymond. I think Draymond goes back. It doesn't, doesn't make sense for him to go anywhere else. Yeah, I do too. Especially because they didn't draft a replacement. Yeah, you know they didn't they didn't pick someone that even if we're talking from a play perspective doesn't fit the Draymond role. They don't they didn't fill some they didn't fill it with a size. No, you know they didn't bring someone in. No, that they took gets... another small shooter. They took a guy that can shoot. Probably to fill. That's probably why Dante opted out. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, fuck, you just replaced me. Probably so. you just took you took BP from the <laughs> from, the, from the Milly Mill. They are not from the Mill. He's from Muskego. Let's not get that twisted. But they love their they love their uh, Wisconsin natives in Golden State. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see, man. Uh, this will be an interesting, um, probably interesting week here. We'll just start to hear some more stuff because normally by now you hear like all uh, oh, this verbal agreement, but uh, maybe that's more bad, uh, football. But we'll see, man. We'll see. I you know hopefully, um, Chris. I guess I will take Chris back. Uh, there really, mu- there's not much else out there, right? Like, who would you replace him with? But no, you um, got to bring I'm, Chris back. Yeah, I hope that Brooke comes back and and we see what some of these young guys can do. I'm really excited so, for the summer league to start, but that'll start from July. So my last question for you, yeah, is real quick, one word, and we can talk about it future after it all, all the chips fall. We'll talk about it, but one answer: Who's more important, Chris or Brooke? Brooke. Okay. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, is your weekly episode of the Forward for Delhi. I like that. I like that closing. I appreciate you, bro. All right, man. I'll let you, bro. Peace. Peace.